Previously on Barefoot Boys, we left you with the story of nine-year-old Nagendra Prasad Chorbadikari, who, legend has it, was the first Indian to kick a football at the Kolkata Moidan. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There are considerable debates about this particular account of a boy, a Bengali boy named Nagendra Prasad Sarvadikari, who probably for the first time touched a football with his feet in 1877. He was... Uh, around nine years old at that point of time. This is sports historian Koushik Pandhapadhyay. But whatever be justification of such a story, it is definitely important to remember that uh, in, in Bengali tradition, in most of the accounts of Indian football, uh, particularly in the vernacular literature in Bengal, Nagendra Prasad uh, went down as the father of Indian football. And that was something which definitely had a major role to play uh, to make Calcutta the mecca of Indian football. Nagendra Prasad's family, the Shorbadikaris, were no strangers to fame or good fortune. Their run had begun as early as the 14th century under the Tughlaq dynasty. More recently, the British, in recognition of faithful service to the empire, gave Nagendra Prasad's father, Dr. Surya Kumar Shorbadikari, the title of Rai Bahadur. According to one obituary, Surya Kumar may have even served on the British side during the revolt of 1857. So, Nagendra Prasad was a classic child of the British encounter in Bengal. Born into a wealthy, illustrious household with the family talent of staying in the good graces of the powers that be, studied at Hare School and then Presidency College, two of the finest institutions available to Indians at the time, and he was a hustler. He set his sights on a goal absolutely intended, and he wouldn't stop till he got there. Clearly, young Nagendra Prasad had it all, and he made full use of it. From Luminary, this is Barefoot Boys, a podcast about an Indian football team that went toe-to-toe with the British and against all odds emerged as a national symbol. A symbol that told a country fighting for independence, we can win. I'm Konkona Sen Sharma.
The day after he kicked the ball in that field for the first time, young Nagendra Prasad went to school and told his classmates all about it. He was so fascinated by that moment that he even got all of them to pool in some money and purchase a ball from Messrs Manton and Co, a famous sports shop in the Bobazar area of Calcutta. Armed with their new purchase, they ran back to hair school to kick it around on the school field. There was a professor, a Mr G A Stack, who was watching them from the balcony of the neighboring Presidency College. He walked up to them and asked them what they were playing or trying to play. What are you playing? Football. <laughs> well, well boys, I'm I'm sorry to break it to you, but that's not a football. Stack sat them down and explained that they were playing the game correctly, but they had the wrong ball. This ball was not round but oval in shape. The poor boys had been sold a rugby ball. It's easy for us to laugh about it today, but the boys could hardly be blamed for this. The two sports were connected. In fact, they were for all practical purposes the same sport. It was only around 1863, less than 15 years before young Nagendra Prasad got his first kick, that football and rugby had split into two different sports. I'll explain. Yes, the game was played on a field between two teams like it is today. There were two goalposts and you scored a point when you managed to send the ball through the opponent's goal. But everything else depended on where in England you were playing the game. In places like Sheffield and rugby, a player could use their hands and catch the ball. That's why the name rugby by the way, after that little town called Rugby in Warwickshire. So football was a kicking game in some British public schools and a handling game in others. Apart from this, there was simply no one single way to play the game. Games were very much violent at the time and different types of physical tussles were there. This is Devashish Mazumdar, a historian of Kolkata football. Those who were very much loved to do physical exercises or those who used to like to play physical style of game, they moved to rugby. And uh, those who were moderates in the procession of the game they remained in the football section sometime in the mid 1870s it was decided that it was time to standardize the game but when the players sat down to do this they realized that maybe there was scope to create two different kinds of games altogether each with its own set of rules football a kicking game and rugby a handling game back to our story the boys of course were bitterly disappointed when stack explained they were playing the kicking game but with the handling ball <laughs> perhaps as a way of making them feel better stack and a colleague of his decided to train the boys in the game they were attempting football they taught them the rules and became their coaches and it didn't take very long before stack realized that nagendra prasad was special the boy was not just a talented football player but nagendra prasad was probably born as a leader and when he stepped into the presidency college he actively participated in organizing uh, not only football but also other western sports including cricket and rugby and he was the first bengali probably indian to initiate club culture in calcutta this is historian koushik bandhapadhyay soon thanks to the professors and nagendra prasad students of presidency college started playing football with students from hair school and two football clubs sprang into existence Despite Nagendra Prasad's obvious tenacity and staggering sense of enterprise at such a young age, 
The fact that he had founded these clubs as a schoolboy was apparent in the names they held. Boys club and friends club. <laughs> simple names from a simpler time. These little clubs then started to become quite popular in the area around hair school. I suppose watching the boys in their daily practice sessions made people curious. But for the boys, football was an obsession. I wonder why. What was it that attracted all these young men to football? Why not cricket instead, which was introduced to India almost a hundred years earlier? Here is Debashish Mojumdar, the author of the book, The History of the Football Clubs in Calcutta. Now, uh, football used to be a very simple game. And as we all know that uh, the native people, they can also play it by barefoot. This was the beginning of the tradition that eventually birthed the Barefoot Boys and made news not just in India, but in England and later at the Olympics. But back to Mr. Mojumdar. They had created their own terms in the game of football. Whereas the other colonial sports like cricket and hockey, they had certain instruments which were necessary for to play those games like pads, gloves, hockey sticks. And on certain occasions, they are quite costly. And uh, there was a debate among the natives and the Europeans that which used to be the actual costume to play cricket. The natives, they used to love to play cricket with dhoti, but uh, the Europeans were reluctant to play with them as they were wearing dhoti. So that was it. Football was far more accessible. In fact, so much so that between 1887 and 1890, Calcutta witnessed the birth of several football clubs. Shobha Bajar Club, National Association, Aryans, Haura Sporting, Chinsura Sporting, the list goes on. And you know, when I read these names, I can't help thinking about the fact that this thriving football club culture in Calcutta began with a 10-year-old boy's fascination with the sport. And uh, Nagendra Prasad Shorbadikari, the father of Indian football, was quite a fascinating character himself. A complex hero. Let me tell you why. As an adult, Nagendra Prasad was quite muscular and well-built. He had a striking physique. Once, a young family member of his made a comment that a man only needs to be strong enough to drink a glass of water by himself. Now, I don't know what his reasoning was, but the young man was apparently suggesting that a big, strong physique was unnecessary. Now, Nagendra Prasad's physique was a point of pride. And what probably made it worse was that the comment was made at a gathering full of Calcutta babus and they all laughed. Predictably, Nagendra Prasad lost his temper. He lifted the young man by his collar and thundered, Now that I'm going to fling you down, what do you imagine you will require to escape that fate? The young man quickly apologised and saved himself from injury. But Nagendra Prasad was still seething with anger. He actually said something that I personally find very offensive, but, you know, it's quoted in his biography written by P.L. Dutt in 1946. Those who speak like this, they are the ones who are afraid to step out on the streets with their wives and daughters. And when they do, they are unable to safeguard their honour. Muslim drivers intimidate them before their wife and daughter, extract double the money due to them and walk away with a swagger while the Babu humours himself saying, I can't stoop to being a chotlok with the chotloks. Such behaviour, however, is not becoming of a Bhadralok, but of a eunuch. The rate of female abductions from the homes of Bengali Hindus is unparalleled in any other community. Bengalis are a feat. 
let them gain in physical strength. With the return of masculine splendor will come respect from others. But then, luckily, there are other stories about the same Nagendra Prasad, who is egalitarian and progressive and a true leader and visionary. Here's one. When Nagendra Prasad joined Presidency College, he formed a club called the Wellington Club. But within a year, he disbanded it. Because some of the richer members, Nagendra Prasad's friends, felt that it would compromise the character of the club to include Moni Das, a confectioner's son. Now, Nagendra Prasad was having none of it. Before the matter of Moni's membership could even be put to vote, he dissolved the Wellington Club outright. Here's the PL Dad biography again. The very idea of the movers was nauseating to Nagendra Prasad. Movers here refers to the people who wanted to exclude Moni Das. He could not reconcile himself to belong to a circle, the minutest part of which is putrid. Being a stern constitutionalist, he was bound to bring the matter up to vote. He knew the results of the voting will be disastrous to the movers. All the same, an out-and-out sportsman as he considered it ignoble to be a party to it. So Nagendra Prasad left the club of his own creation. This was followed by the resignation of no less than 450 of its members. Thus Wellington met with its tragic end. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. <laughs> complex hero indeed. And the India he was growing up in was no less complex. This was the late 1880s, just three decades after the revolt of 1857. 
And you may remember from your history books that the British used this revolt as the excuse to transfer power from the East India Company to the British Crown, making India part of the British Empire. The Queen's proclamation was read out amidst much fanfare in Allahabad in 1858. And while this proclamation was meant to be an olive branch, it was all, well, fluff. Promises of equal opportunity in public service and no interference in religious and cultural customs were proved hollow by the passing of law after law that were racist and anti-Indian. And the British were confident in their ability to pass these laws, to continue to suppress Indian advancement and nip any dissent in the bud because they believed that Indians, thanks to our diverse classes, castes, religions and interests, would not be able to come together on a single platform. They banked on our disunity to maintain their power. So Indian leaders knew that if India were to make a case for its independence, then Indians, all Indians, would have to get on board to break this stranglehold. Leading the charge was a crop of younger, more radical nationalists springing up across the country and particularly in Bengal. Among them was Surendranath Banerjee and Anand Mohan Bose, who formed the Indian National Association in Calcutta in 1876. The association wanted to promote Hindu-Muslim unity. Campaigns were organized asking for the right of Indians to bear arms, which the British wanted to restrict with the Arms Act. There was also the sustained agitation against the Vernacular Press Act of 1878, which imposed censorship on newspapers in local languages. Then there were the local campaigns in favor of the Ilbert Bill of 1883. The bill gave Indian judges the right to try European subjects for a category of crimes committed in rural areas. The British were furious with the bill. How could Indians be allowed to pass judgments on Europeans? Historian Rinalini Sinha has written extensively about the politics in Bengal in that period. This is what she said about the Ilbert Bill. The British protest against that was that you know you couldn't trust Indians to be trying you know European British subjects. They particularly use the fear of women that you know that these people would be uh, uh, had very bad ideas, very backward ideas about gender relations, and so women would be in danger. And it really kind of created this idea of the effeminate Bengali, who's effeminate because he's not just physical in the physical sense but also in his morals and attitudes they are not brave they're not straightforward they'd be sly they would do things that would harm Europeans as a result of this and of course the bill had to be you know there was a huge backlash and the bill had to be withdrawn and it really d- does become an important moment in indians then beginning to question the queen's proclamation of providing racial equality so the point i'm trying to make is that there was this larger political awakening taking place just as football fever was spreading across middle class calcutta thanks to nagendra prasad's efforts Nagendra Prasad could not have been untouched by that growing nationalist movement and indeed PL that's biography suggests that in his youth he was acquainted with Shurendranath Banerjee Shelly Bonerjee etc but he never paid heed to politics his conviction was that politics will bring disunity more than unity Now what if i tell you that the same apolitical Nagendra Prasad would go on to fight the British tooth and nail to include Indians in the football tournaments they organized I'll tell you about that later 
For now, I'm going to leave you with something that historian Kaushik Bandhapadha said. He said Nagendra Prasad wasn't a nationalist. But he definitely showed to the Bengalis, or Indians for that matter, that football was a medium through which the Indians could fight the British and show their metal in Western sports and show they express their a kind of masculinity uh, on the field of football. Such drive, such passion for the sport, such fine leadership. Nobody really knows why, but by 1902, 25 years after he started his journey in Indian football at hair school, Nagendra Prasad would quit the field altogether. Next on Barefoot Boys, we see how Nagendra Prasad's influence on football club culture in Calcutta continued to grow. We will witness the launch of the Shobha Bajar Club, the first Indian team to be allowed to play in the Trades Cup. And on the horizon, we will catch a tiny glimpse of the idea that would become Mohan Bagan. Barefoot Boys is a luminary original podcast produced by Rainshine Entertainment and you've been listening to me, Konkona Sen Sharma. Gaurav Vaz is our executive producer. Vivek Madan is our director and script supervisor. Our writing team was led by Vivek Madan, Vikram Shah and Archana Nathan who wrote these episodes along with Shankhudeep Sengupta, Nevin Thomas, Arka Bhattacharya and Amar Shiyas. We recorded the podcast at Island City Studios with Ashyar Balsara. Sachi Rajadhaksh is our sound designer and audio producer. And Ayan Dee mixed and mastered these episodes. Thanks to all our guests and experts for their time and valuable inputs. And a special thank you to Sidin Vadukut for his help getting this podcast off the ground. And most of all, thanks to the Omo Rakadosh, 11 men who did the impossible. Who taught a country to dream and for a brief moment showed us what freedom felt like long before we were free. Thank you.